We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Rob Lauder with the Striking Gold podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Before we get started tonight, I wanted to uh, give a quick shout-out to one of our sponsors, Axios Sports. Basically what Axios is, it's a, it's a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox every single day. So you're always caught up on the most recent sports news. It's basically like reading the sports page on a newspaper that comes directly to you. Uh, you can sign up for free at sports.axios.com. And like I said, free 99, get after it, sports.axios.com. Again, my name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. Welcome to Striking Gold, our 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Joining me tonight is the quarterback of the Press Coverage Podcast, also of the Blue Wire Network, but more importantly, my co-host, the Eric underscore Crocker. What's going on, brother? <laughs> What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm just feeling undefeated, bro. Well, I- I'm feeling like I, I'm kind of defeated because I broke my mic. You <laughs> brought up um, me, you know, quarterbacking the press coverage podcast. So I, I took my equipment with me to Arkansas. I traveled all the way, well, halfway across the United States, and Raise I'm just not real. Yeah, I'm just not realizing I broke my like one of the little parts for my USB. So yeah, if you guys hear me sound a little funny, it's because I'm actually not recording with a mic right now. 
I'm recording straight into my MacBook. And I hope, I mean, you pay all this money for MacBooks. Hopefully, the mic is picking up just fine. So, yeah. Right. So, I mean, the, the options were either you had to listen to me by myself all night, <laughs> morning or afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Or you got me and a slightly downgraded Eric Crocker, you know, kind of like just a slight hamstring strain kind of downgrade. Like he's still going to play, but he just might be limited a little bit. So, you know, we figured we would give you that Eric Crocker rather than no Eric Crocker. Yeah. Better than no Croc. Am I right? Yeah. uh, Yeah. I think my wife would agree too. Pause. 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 Um. But yeah, so like I said earlier, undefeated again. I think this is the sixth time in a row where Crocker and I have come to you for our weekly uh, Striking Gold podcast, and the 49ers have yet to lose a game. Um, most recently, topping the uh, Washington Redskins at FedEx Field in Washington, uh, 9-0. Not exactly the game that everybody thought they were going to see, but it was interesting nonetheless. It was crazy. It was raining. It was raining sideways, like Ollie the Weatherman would say. And it was it was nuts. But before we fully dive into the game, because we will, uh, more pressing a bit. I wouldn't say breaking anymore. Everybody's you know he's he's had his first practice. But 49ers trader for one Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver of the Denver Broncos, a veteran dude, been around, been there, done that. And I want to immediately, because I know he's been dying to to to, to talk about it. I want to immediately turn the mic over to to Crocker here and just just tell me what you're feeling about this, man. Yeah, so th- this is just my opinion on the receiver uh, position, and I'll kind of take it back all the way to training camp. All right, you and I were both on the sidelines, and the one thing that we noticed was well, we noticed a couple things. One, Trent Taylor was the best receiver out there on the field. Um, I, I think that was pretty clear, uh, at least throughout camp. I, I'm not saying like he's the best, like. He's the fastest or the biggest or, you know, any of that. But he just seemed to be the most productive, right? And impact for sure. Like he was yeah. involved in every drive and every red zone period every day. Right. He, he was very consistent um, just all throughout training camp until he had his injury, um, which was very unfortunate. Well, I, I think from that day on, Kyle Shanahan was looking for someone to be that – consistent guy that Taylor was. And, you know, obviously the 49ers have used um, a lot of draft capital on the receivers the last couple of years. Um, I mean, how many receivers have they drafted? Five? Six? I mean, you know, you got, you know, go all the way back where you got Trent Taylor. Um, and then you had Dante Pettis and Richie James. And then this year you had Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd. And then uh, if you're, if you're counting before, and, and throw this in, uh, they traded a third and a fourth round pick for Emmanuel Sanders in this year's draft, and Denver is sending back a fifth. So essentially they gave up a third, and they slightly downgraded their fourth. The 49ers right. are expected to be late in the round, where Denver is supposed to be towards the beginning. So they just downgraded that fourth to an early fifth, and then they, they gave up a third. So if you're if, – and this is the only reason I'm saying this is Crocker is counting the amount of draft picks they've invested in a receiver. You could say that's two more right there or or at least right. like one and a half. One and a right. half. Right. No, no, okay. definitely. And so it, it definitely hit that – that's where the majority of their investments have gone. Right. And now, the issue is, as far as now, is you're, you're counting on those young guys 
And I think before the season, people were like, oh, need this, need that. And I'm like, oh, well, no, you have good enough guys. Well, nobody's kind of stepped into the plate. And I think everybody expected a big uh, year or two leap from Pettis. We haven't seen that at all. I think he has nine catches on the year, which is like crazy through six games. He has nine catches. Um, so from that standpoint, it was like, you know, 49ers is 6-0. and I, I get that the 49ers haven't thrown the ball a whole lot. But you need somebody that you feel like you can go to. And I think even with the 49ers not throwing the ball a whole lot, when they do, obviously they throw it a lot to, you know, George Kittle. Outside of Kittle, it's like, who else do I really feel comfortable counting on, right? And and I think there was really nobody. Um, You did have guys who I think um, played decent, you know, when given the opportunity. Um, Debo Samuel, you know, he's he's a rookie. I, I don't think that's somebody you want to count on late in the playoffs. And, and that's what this turned into. This turned into a team that could possibly be on a path to the Super Bowl. And I just don't see any way you could feel comfortable passing up this trade deadline and not uh, trying to figure out a, a way to kind of help this group, right? So they trade for Emmanuel Sanders. And it's a good fit. On, on two accords. One, uh, he, he's just a talented receiver. And I, I've been watching a lot of his stuff tonight. If you didn't know he had an Achilles injury, you would never, ever be able to tell by the film. He, he looks good, right? Now, he's not some wide receiver, you know, your prototypical wide receiver one. But I'll say this. What the 49ers have been looking for is just somebody that can be consistent and reliable. And he is 100% that. So you, you do get that. And I think that helps, you know, take some of the pressure off of other guys like a Debo Samuel, like a Dante Pettis. And you can kind of let them, you know, if you want to just have your little two, three catches, you know, here and there, that's fine. Because I have George Kittle and then now I have somebody who can compliment him as well. So um, from that standpoint, I, I think that it was a, a, a move that was very necessary. Um I really like the move. Uh, he he knows the offense for the most part. Uh, I, I believe he said it's the it's pretty much the same. There's a few different concepts, and you know Kyle Shanahan he's gonna have his little wrinkles and everything, and probably some of the things he didn't really tell his <laughs> offensive coaches. But um, with Scan Scan Gorilla, yeah, Rich, um, being you know he was you know he was with the 49ers, and now he's you know the offensive coordinator for the Broncos. I, I think it'd be a smooth transition. And as far as Emmanuel Sanders and his role in the offense. He's an he's a he's an outside receiver, but he also lines up a bunch in the slot as well. So they move him around, and he's just versatile, just like it. all these other guys that are you know receivers for 49ers that can line up in multiple spots. And I, I think um, I'll, I'll be po- posting a uh, uh, a thread on my Twitter account tomorrow on him, and I think you'll just see like he's just a really good sound football player. And I know some people are like, well, he's 32 years old. And I don't think you can worry about that right now. I think you, what you hope is that this guy helps you possibly, you know, in a deep playoff run. And, you know, the, the deeper you get into the season, the more you're going to need guys to really step up. And I just don't think that the young receivers right now were 100% ready to do that. And maybe they will be. Maybe by the end of the year, they, they will be ready. And, you know, and then, you know, when you visit the offseason, it's like, okay, well, do we re-sign Emmanuel Sanders? Maybe you don't re-sign him then because the young guy stepped up. But as of right now, you, you need him. You, you need 
you you need that guy. You need somebody that you can kind of go to a little bit outside of Kittle. And you know, the D, you got the Packers coming up. They have really good DBs. Um, you have the Ravens coming up. They have really good DBs. Um, you got the Rams. They just acquired Jalen Ramsey. I mean, you know, you're not always going to be able to depend on the run game with, um, you know, our running backs. You know, sometimes you're going to have to throw the ball, you know, more than we probably would like. Uh, so, yeah, I, I know I'm kind of rambling on, but I, I really like the pickup, and I think that it made the 49ers better. No, I don't think I don't think you're rambling at all, man. Those are all those are all good points, and I'm sure everybody loves hearing. And the way I looked at it, and Croc touched on this, is is uh, let's say you're you're in the wild card game, and one of those situations with a team like Green Bay, where you know it's it's a tight game, both offenses are scoring. Um, you know, your defense gets you one stop, and you're pushing down the field, and you need to get in field goal range, or you need to get into the end zone, and it's third and five, and that defense knows. The only real threat is George Kittle. And if they double George Kittle, who's Jimmy Garoppolo going to throw the ball to, right, before Emmanuel Sanders? And it's not like these guys can't catch the ball. But there's nobody – there was nobody else on that offense that you would look at your television set and say, throw it to this guy. I know he's going to make the play. Throw it to this guy. Okay, and and the 49ers have that now. And it doesn't matter that Emmanuel Sanders is 32. You go and look at his contributions to every team he's ever been on. Uh, he's just a consistently good wide receiver. And he's exactly the yep, type of right. Shan- uh, receiver that Shanahan wants. The dude gets open. He's quick. He's fast. He's got great hands. He doesn't have a drop this year. Uh, and, and if you're looking at his his stats and saying, okay, why, uh, you know, he was great in Denver for a while. And why all of a sudden did he start dipping off? Well, just look up Denver's quarterbacks over those, that time when he was with Peyton and they were making that Super Bowl run. I think it was 2016, right? When they, when they won it, I can't remember for sure. Okay. 15, okay. I when, believe when they beat, yeah. When they beat the, uh, the Panthers in the Super Bowl and then Peyton leaves and, Sanders is dealing with Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Joe Flacco. Uh, what was the other one? Drew Locke? Wasn't he in there for a little bit or something? Was Flacco the quarterback last year or no, did Flacco just, just get there? So Keenan. Right. Yeah, there was dude, there was all sorts of – nobody's going to produce in that. And, and it's – and it's not a knock on him. The guy before he in, in 12 games last season, he already had 868 yards and four touchdowns. And then obviously he got injured. And that was the end of that. Right. I, I did the math on that. He was on pace for almost 1200 right. yards. So it's not like he, um, because I, I have heard some people and, you know, it's like, Oh, well, would you rather have Sanders or would you rather have, um, gosh, Oh, Muhammad Sanu. And I heard somebody say, well, Muhammad Sanu, he's just more productive. And it's like, no, he's not. Not at all. And he's not I don't think he was on production. offense with Matt Ryan. And there's obviously plenty of other talent in there. But if anything, th- that team doesn't have a quarterback problem. You know, Matt Ryan's freaking throwing right. that thing. And for a while, he was in Shanahan's offense. So Yeah, and I'm not saying – because it sounds like Sanu is the number one target for the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, maybe just because of his um, history with Kyle. And I'm not saying that Emmanuel Sanders is just just some all-world better receiver than Muhammad Sanu, but he Sanu has definitely not been more productive. Um, and even with Casey Keenum at quarterback, uh, 
and you know just kind of fluctuation of quarterbacks at that position over there in in Denver. He's he's been he's solid. Really good. Uh, now the biggest issue is the injuries, and I, I think the last few years he's only played like twelve games, and and then like another twelve games, and then like seven. I don't know. It, it's not he hasn't played like a, a ten games. So if you want to say like, hey, I'm concerned about maybe some of these injuries, I would say. Uh, all right, and I think he was kind of banged up in like the Raiders game this year, but um, I mean, I was watching him the 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 little clips of him running routes that uh, KBR posted. He looked fine right, to me. He looked good. The thing that we need to touch on about uh, Muhammad Sanu is is I would be willing to bet, like you just mentioned, that he was the pri- 49ers primary target just because he's already got experience in Shanahan's offense. Shanahan knows exactly what he get he gets out of him and that that offers a level of comfort that teams are willing to to purchase, you know, especially when there's nothing better than knowing what you're going to get. But and I can guarantee you, you just you just look at the overall trade and how it went down. The Patriots gave up a second rounder to get Muhammad Sanu. And yes, that's going to be a very late second rounder if not the very last pick in the second round. But I can guarantee you, and the 49ers don't have a second-round pick, I can guarantee you the 49ers offered a third-round pick for Muhammad Sanu. And the only way the Pats were going to get that, was, was, was the only way the Pats were going to get Sanu was to offer that second-rounder. Because, you know, if you're a betting man, you would you would probably put money on the Patri- Patriots to go further this year than the 49ers. Whether or not they do, we'll see. But, you know, they would they knew that the Patriots knew the only way of getting Sanu was to offer one round ahead of the 49ers. And they also knew that by offering a second rounder, the 49ers couldn't match that. They the 49ers don't even have a second rounder unless they try to get into future picks and that's just kind of, you know, too much at this point. So, and what's interesting is the Pats are doing this, the Patriots are doing this to create a strong group of playoff caliber receivers that are a playoff caliber group of receivers that they can feel comfortable with going into the postseason. They also knew that they were losing Josh Gordon, who they just put on injured reserve today. And so they're going in They're They're expecting to get back Nikhil Harry, uh, their first round rookie. They've already got Julian Edelman. They've already got Philip Dorsett. Now they've got Muhammad Sanu. They're going to get back Nikhil Harry. Okay, so they, they, this is a group they can feel very confident in going into the playoffs. And the 49ers wanted to feel the same. Uh, and, and not to say that getting Emmanuel Sanders puts the 49ers wide receiver group up there with the Patriots, who I think is a pretty respectable group. But it's basically the team saying, we kind of feel like we might actually be in the a player away category. And that's not to say the 49ers don't have any weaknesses anywhere else, but the 49ers would not have made that move if they didn't feel like, okay, we feel like we're going to go far this season. That's evident. They're six and zero. We need a guy that when we get into these situations with playoff teams where we need a play, we need that guy. And so that's the only reason they would give up what they gave up to get him. And so it's, it's just, if you look at how that whole situation unfolded, it was a pretty interesting dance between, the Patriots, the 49ers, and the situations that they're in. If you look at the the stats between the 49ers and the Patriots, both the teams are playing at almost an equally high level. Like in almost every category, they're very, very similar. The only re- the way that the only part of uh, that I can see the Patriots having a big advantage is, is like the passing offense where the 49ers haven't been very good. But as far as overall offense and overall defense, 
the 49ers and the Patriots are pretty similar. So, and, and right after the Sanu trade got announced, the 49ers pulled the trigger on Manuel Sanders. So, you know, that there were obviously two teams competing there. And it was interesting to see how that unfolded. And like we were saying, the 49ers now have a guy that if the defense is going to focus on Kittle, then they've got Sanders. If they're going to focus on Sanders, they've got Kittle. And then you have a host of other receiving talent like Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, that can actually start to thrive a little bit more in the fact that there's just less focus on them. Um, The thing I I put in one of my articles recently is like I put – like a stock report that the stock was down for the rest of the receivers. And it's not down in the fact it was hard for me to explain this. It's not down in the fact that they are, have done something wrong. It's just that they're less likely to get, you know, their, their chance to shine is becoming a little less likely in the fact that they, uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, they have another receiver that's going to command a lot of targets. I would be willing to bet that Emmanuel Sanders commands just as many targets as George Kittle. If you look at their stats, and this won't be the same with the 49ers, but George Kittle has 34 receptions for 376 yards and a touchdown. Then you look at what Sanders was doing in Denver. He had 30 receptions for 367 yards and two touchdowns. So essentially, the 49ers have added another George Kittle to the offense in way of impact. So, you know, these the other 49ers receivers may see less pressure to succeed, but also they're going to see target a little less target. So it's kind of a stock up and stop stock down type of thing as far as their outlook. But I was all about it. You know, I think that, you know, listening to you week after week say, forget the draft picks, just trade for these good players. And obviously you were talking about like Jalen Ramsey, which is a completely different scenario, but you know, it was just nice to see them go out and do what they need to do. Like, you know? Yeah. I, I don't think when you, when you're, in this situation, right, if you were to tell me, hey, the 49ers will start the season 6-0 and and their passing game, you know, the receivers aren't quite there, what do you think they should do? I'd say 100% trade for somebody because these opportunities, I think, okay, draft picks are for the future, right? Like when you're building a team, you think of draft picks. Well, the 49ers use a bunch of draft picks to get to this position right now, and they have guys that are developing, but they're just not there yet. So it's like, I need something that's going to help me right now because you're in a position that very few teams are in. You never know. I think everybody thinks like, oh, well, next year, th- next year, this. You, there might not be a next year. Look at the look at the Jacksonville Jaguars. They, they were in the AFC Championship game, up 10 points in the fourth quarter to the Patriots. They end up losing – and now they look like, I mean, last year, how many games did the Jaguars win? And, and then this year, I mean, you know, because they brought in Nick Foles, they're like three and three or four, and four, you know, whatever they are. But, you know, they're not, it's not like they're just something like, oh, well, you know, we were just in the AFC championship game. You would think that they'd be back to the playoffs and, you know, no, they haven't been. So you, you never know how it's going to work out. So when people think about right now and the 49ers starting off 6-0, you, you have to strike while the iron is hot. And hey, you maybe this playoff strike gold. Yeah, just strike gold. Hey, speaking of striking gold, um, you know, I think we all feel like we struck gold with Jimmy Garoppolo, but that that's kind of been a hot topic. Um, just his play, I have my view on it and kind of how I look at the whole situation with Jimmy Garoppolo with the team with the offense, but what's kind of your outlook on it because I I, I you know, all over social media I just I see these different takes, and I, I see people like really worried about it. 
Um, I see media, like, you know, outside of the 49ers media, like, just, like, random people. I don't know who they are. They have blue check marks, though. But there's, you know, they're looking at his stats and, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's playing poorly. What's your thought? What are your thoughts on Garoppolo and kind of really just the 49ers passing offense? Because you did, you just touched on how the passing offense hasn't been very good. So what's kind of your outlook? It's just what it takes to win the game. Like, and he's had his mistakes. And maybe a couple of those mistakes have cost 49ers win in the pa- and wins in the past. Like, you know, I'm thinking of that 2018 pick six against the Minnesota Vikings that kind of put the 49ers out of reach uh, in that one. Uh, you know, and but he does what he makes plays. And when he's playing and when he's under center, the 49ers win games. Period. Y'all are going to jail. Period. All right. So it's like. <laughs> Like, dude, it's it's just it's that simple, and it, his stats do not tell the story. Okay, if you need to watch Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, you're gonna see him make one or two weird weird throw bonehead mistake, but you're also gonna see him make a ton of plays every game. And you just 49ers fans who pay attention to to the games and watch the games know what they're getting in Jimmy Garoppolo. You just have to watch the guy and he has better games and he has mediocre games whatever. But the fact is the 49ers have had two other quarter have two other quarterbacks on their roster that have all got plenty of starting time and the 49ers didn't win jack with these guys. And Nick Mullins actually played played pretty well, but the 49ers did not win with him. Okay? Jimmy Garoppolo in the lineup wins games. He does an outstanding job of getting the ball out, and at least he's doing a better job of it this year. One of his, you know, in the past, he's actually sometimes he's held on to it a little bit, and, and that kind of gets him into trouble. But this year, he's doing a great job getting the ball out. He's he's made some boneheaded plays. He's also had some pass catchers drop balls that ended up getting picked off, and and you know you that's but on the stat sheet that just looks like an interception. So it's you know, and I and I and I tweeted his because now he just finished sixteen games for the first time. And so you can take like a season's look at his statistics and they're by no means disappointing. Uh, you know, I think when I, I also added in his, his quarterback scramble touchdowns and I probably should have added in like his fumbles because he's got some of those, but it was, it was a perfectly respectable season that I don't understand why it draws so much criticism, especially when you look at his win the loss record, like, and then the and and the other funny thing is the first thing people say is oh look at that defense, the 49ers haven't had that defense. They, they that defense just showed up. Okay, the 49ers defense has not been that good last year during the three games he was starting, and it wasn't that good during the five games he was starting before that. And it he they were still winning, and he still blew out the Jacksonville Jaguars when they were at their peak. So it's like just watch the game and stop quoting the freaking box score and. It's it's silly because you can just tell that everybody wants to fault the 49ers for giving the guy money. He's like the 15th highest paid quarterback this year. And I know that jumps up next <laughs> right. year, maybe I think like 10th, 9th, 8th. But that's such a revolving carousel of new contracts that vault the quarterbacks up the boards. It doesn't matter. The 49ers are 14-2 and two with Garoppolo, and they're not 14-2 and two with any of these other quarterbacks. And it's not all on the defense because they haven't been around all that long. Yeah, I, I've – I've summed it up as Jimmy Garoppolo plays winning football. And when I say that, like, yeah, there, there are some, you know, everybody sees the throws that you would like back, or maybe he misses a throw here and there. But 90% of the time, the dude is playing really good. Now, 
with, with, with what Kyle Shannon has done with him, he's not just throwing the ball all around the yard, right? I, I mean, you know, the 49ers are running the ball dang near 40 times a game. You know, so the 49ers are throwing the ball 40 times a game. There's not a lot of opportunity for Jimmy Garoppolo to put up these, like, crazy numbers that I think stat watchers want to see. Um, on, on top of that, um, when they are throwing the ball, the 49ers don't have their right tackle. They don't have their left tackle. They haven't had receivers that they can really count on outside of George Kittle. So he's forcing balls with uh, Kittle sometimes. Um, he's maybe not trusting um, his outside guys to be where they are. But you know why he might not be trusting some of his outside guys to be where they're supposed to be? Well, you you brought up a pick six against the Vikings last year when uh, Kendrick Bourne was supposed to break his route off inside and Jimmy Garoppolo is pressured has a guy, a free runner running right into his face, and he's expecting Kendrick Bourne to be there, and he's not there. So, I, I you know, when, when you look at his numbers and why they're not as high, I, I, don't, I definitely, like you said, they don't tell the whole story. If you just watch the game, all you see is this guy, first down, run, second down, run, third down, throw an eight-yard pass for a first down. First down, run, second yard, up, throw another first down. First down, run. Second down, okay, throw another first down. Now, he's not getting these big hitters, but he's consistently moving the ball up and down the field every single game. One um, of the best like, summaries game. of Jimmy Garoppolo was that super badass little clip. Uh, I think it was called Turning Point, and it's like made by the NFL. And it was when he first showed up to the 49ers, and he led that game-winning drive against the Titans. Right. The dude was just cold yep. as ice. And he just gets up there and just rattles off six plays, instantly puts the 49ers in field goal position. They win the game. They walk off. And he's on the sideline coaching up receivers saying, hey, you know, give him this shake. Uh, He should should be here, and I'll put it right on you. You know, like, dude, the guy had been with the team for like three games, four games. Right, and not and not just that game. I mean, think back to his first start, which was against the Chicago Bears. Um, the 49ers had punched the ball into the end zone, but if you remember that game, it was the same thing. At the end of the day, the 49ers are down a couple points. Jimmy Garoppolo had the ball in his hands, and what did he do? Boop, 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 boop. Do some completions, nice catch and runs by Trent Taylor. 49ers in field goal position, boom, kick a field goal. As time expires, they win the game. So it's like when people say, oh, they have to rely on him to throw the ball, how is he going to is he gonna be able to do it? Like, dude, we've seen him do it. So we've seen him win every type of way. We saw him, uh, you know, everything was going against the 49ers against the Steelers. And what did he do? Boop, 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 touchdown, win the game. Uh, you know, going back to the Titans game, going going back to the Bears game. Just fortunately, this year, the 49ers haven't been there in that position too many times to where they need Jimmy Garoppolo to win the game. But he has shown, and I'm not saying he's, you know, is every time he has a chance to win the game, he's going to win it. But... I'd say we've seen it, and more times than not, he's going to come away with a win. He consistently moves the ball up and down the field. He, he at random, at the most random times, he has a bonehead throw. I don't know why, but those haven't been at points in games that will cost the 49ers wins or losses. Uh, have you noticed that? I mean, it's the the Rams one. It was like into the first quarter, or 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 in the you know in the second quarter, whenever it was. Um, the interception against the Redskins, that that was more like a punt because it was fourth down and he just threw the ball out there. But even then, an interception. I mean, this is like in the second quarter. We, we know when he's he's making these these um, 
these mistakes at times where they're not 100. percent Well, yeah, and he did it against the, the Buccaneers at the beginning of the season. You know, he threw that pick six where uh, you know right. I think it was the Hargreaves who was it. Was that second? Right. Yeah, right. second quarter. Right. The guy was sitting on the route and he just took it in for an easy pick six. And what I also what I what I also oh. like too is Gra- Garoppolo's made these mistakes. He's thrown these interceptions and he just goes out and keeps firing away. Like there's zero <laughs> right. like. It, obviously he's smart enough to, to learn from a mistake. He's not ignorant, but he just doesn't hold back and he goes out there and he keeps slinging it and he does what it takes to keep the ball moving and put points on the board. And, you know. and constantly put the 49ers in position to win. And he's done that in every game, even games where people, I mean, look at, okay. The, 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 the Redskins game, the, it was a sloppy game. I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo had more rushing yards <laughs> than passing yards in the first half. But when it came down to it, and the 49ers need to move that ball, right, in the second half, what did he do? He had, like, at one point, he had, like, 10 straight completions. Right. You know, and, and, and now I'm not saying every pass was perfect or anything like that, but. Game. I mean, it was it was nuts. Yeah, I mean, you know, at, at one point, he had, ten, like, 10 straight completions. Um, when the 49ers needed key first downs to really try to put the Redskins away and get them in field goal range, he did it. And it seems like more times than not, he that's what he does. So, um, right. And if if you look at their drives and in, in that Redskins game to put the game away, he Jimmy Garoppolo throws an interception, and the next three drives is field goal, field goal, field goal. Eight plays, sixty-seven yards. Twelve plays, fifty-five yards. Eleven plays, fifty-six yards. And a lot of those plays were passes. The Forty ers started uh, just they knew they needed to meet just move the ball. They knew field goals were essentially touchdowns in that game. They had to put themselves in positions, and those aren't, weren't all runs. The running game did get going a bit, but Jimmy was making a ton of throws, some stuff over the middle where he was avoiding pressure and hitting the tightly covered George Kittle over the middle. He was throwing that crazy pass to Kendrick Bourne that he almost took in for a touchdown. Uh, he, he, he was scrambling and found Richie James wide open for a big game. You know what I mean? Like, he just – kept playing and he made plays in the middle of the rain and and the broadcast didn't even do that weather justice like you look at some of the angles that are coming out in these videos where they're from on the field that place was a mess and everything was soaked and the dude was doing what it took to win the football game so was the rest of the team why do you think he's viewed the way he is because the, the way i look at him is i look at him as and we've talked about it already on this podcast but i, I look at him he's a 16 game start like he started 16 games that's it. And that's how I view him. Um, to put that into perspective, um, Sam Darnold just started his 16th game against the Patriots the other night. And it's like, who would you rather have? Um, I, I I think there's definitely room for improvement. There are definitely um, different places where he can improve, but he's only started 16 games. Well, people, well, he's been in the league for a long time. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> you still yeah. – because it certainly is a substitution for starting. Right. It's like, oh, well, he's been – who cares? Oh, he sat behind Tom Brady. I, I compared it to – and I think I did on this podcast, but I was talking to other people and I, I, I said the same thing. It, it's like a, a NASCAR driver. I can ride passenger seat with a NASCAR driver while he's racing the whole time and ask him questions and, hey, how you do this or do that and pick his brain. But until I get behind that wheel, I'm going to have to make my own mistakes as well. And right now, Jimmy Garoppolo has just gotten behind that wheel. And he has to – he's going to make mistakes. He's going to do different things. But in, with him making those mistakes, it, 
you know, can you see where he is playing well? And I and I think, yeah, 49ers are winning. 49ers are 6 and 0. And for whatever reason, he's been the hottest topic. Um, him and the offense. I've had people say that that offense isn't good. What? What do you mean the 49ers offense isn't good? Like, they're like top five offense in the league, points and yards. <laughs> like, well, you know, it, what, it's yeah, so crazy. Right. Well, and it's, it's just so crazy. the reason people want to be so critical of Jimmy Garoppolo is because they don't want to see something work out that quickly. The 49ers traded a second round pick for him. They saw these, you know, this really awesome little sample size. And it was a. <laughs> what's funny is everybody was so in on Jimmy Garoppolo after those five games, and he's still playing exactly like that. He threw like seven touchdowns and five interceptions, and everybody was all about it because he won the five games. Well, the dude's 14-2. and two. He's thrown like seven touchdowns and six interceptions through six games, and people are all of a sudden down on it. I think it's because of the fact that the 49ers saw those five games. Shanahan saw what he needed to see. They paid him 100 and whatever many – 37 million whatever they paid him and everybody kind of is ready to call it a mistake when he's playing just as good as he was playing in that, those five games and it's just a bigger sample size that people can be a little bit more critical of and all you got to do is watch the games okay but before crocker keeps going because we're on a roll right now i got to get these ads in because we're otherwise we'll be done with our podcast and we'll have those shout outs to the sponsors so we got we to gotta get this in real quick. Okay, the first shout-out, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, is for Axios Sports. Okay, Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app, every website, visiting every site on a daily basis, impossible. That's why you got to subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you see at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA, NFL, cricket, ping pong, and everything in between. So Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats, trends, giving you the ability to stay informed, all that fantasy football stuff as well. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you get caught up, you'll be in the friend sharing an Amazon link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And we all know when we wake up every morning, no one's ready to get out of bed. So you jump on, you check Axios, okay? Sign up at sports.axios.com. There's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. Try it for free 99 at sports.axios.com. And in addition to Axios, we got Indochino, custom menswear. Okay. It was Indochino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Everybody knows how good you look in a nice fitted suit. Okay, so Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, more. Everything is made to your exact measurements for a solid fit. The best part is they're affordable. Almost all their custom clothing is under 400 bucks. And if you don't know, suits go way beyond that. Process is simple. You choose your fabric. Pick your, pick your customizations and submit your measurements. Your package is delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all online, Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with a $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Shipping's free. Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. 
for $30 off your total purchase. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. So give it a shot, Indochino.com. And again, Axio Sports. Those are our sponsors for this evening, folks. Give them a shout out. Give them a check it out because that's how we stay doing this thing, delivering the striking goal. So anyways, Crocker and I were, were just we're, we're out here singing Jimmy Garoppolo's praises. And I feel like I'm going to give some shout outs to the other, the other members of the team too because – that freaking Washington game was just nuts, man. Like, you know, and I, and I said to Krog, like, Shanahan was probably so disappointed that the weather was like that. Because oh, I know. Dude, I know he wanted to put up 100 points on him. Right. The dude just was just ready to unleash his offense. The defense is already doing its thing. That dude, you could just tell he wanted to go to town. And then the storm rolls in and everything changes. I mean, it, that nine to zero win still felt like a pretty dominant win, especially I think the I think Washington gained like thirty six yards in the second half. It was a lot like the Rams game. Like Washington came out running the ball, they had a ton of success, average over like five yards of play. They missed a field goal, and that was it. Peace. You know, the Forty Nine kind of took over. Um, there was some back and forth, you know, on the other drive that seemed really successful. The Redskins. It ended with Quan Alexander punching the ball out, Julian Taylor picking it up. So. You know, it was it was a weird game. It only the score only says nine to zero, but it felt like another dominant game for the 49ers, at least from a defensive perspective. You know, it's, it, it it was a pretty solid game, man. What else? What else did you see from that game? I mean, is there any takeaways from something that messy? Yeah, nah, I I, I have nothing. I, I still heard a lot of people complaining <laughs> about the offense, and I'm like, how are you complaining? They were in a monsoon trying to play and slipping and sliding, and you know, but. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the, the 49ers came away with the win. That was great because, you know, for a while it looked a little – you just didn't know. Uh, the, the the weather neutralized the field. 49ers have a lot of team speed, and that's how they like to win. And that weather kind of evened the playing field, I I, I felt like. Uh, but, you know, the 49ers have won every, every type of way. Um, I mean, they haven't been in that big shootout game, but um, – the, the, I don't know if they ever will with that defense. I, yeah, I, I don't really have too many takeaways from that game uh, other than good job coming up with a, a win in an ugly game. Uh, I was really uh, – Well, the, the one thing I want to mention before we move on to the Panthers for a little while is have you – did you see that clip of the Washington, like, like yeah. color analyst, the, their, their own radio guy. Like, dude, this guy, so if you don't know, on the very last play of the game, the Redskins, for some reason, were just trying to drive down the field. There was zero chance they could win that game, but, you know, it's an NFL team. They're still going to, you know, do their thing. Uh, drops back. Nick Bosa beats his man around the right side and runs down Keenum. And for to end the game, the clock ran out. They had no more timeouts. That was Nick Bosa's sack. Nick Bosa dominated that game. For being in the rain, that dude had seven tackles, the most on the defense, four tackles for loss in a sack. That guy has been on fire. It's just crazy how good he's been. But So he sacks him, and then after he sacks him, his celebration was to slide on the turf. And the dude slid like eight yards. Like The place was just a mess. And then DeForest Buckner slid right next to him. Eric Armstead slid right next to him. In comes Quan Alexander sliding. And then all the 49 – I mean, not all of them, but like at least half of the 49ers players all ran off the sideline and started sliding on the field. And the Redskins color guy, that you know, their, their, their papa, if you will, basically got so upset 
that the 49ers were doing this, that he just like kind of lost it on the air. He's like, 49ers look like fools out there. And, and, and the, the Redskins are going to remember this. Like, what does that mean? The one in five Redskins or one in six, whatever they are, one in six, are going to remember this? What does that mean? And first of all, the biggest thing that pisses me off, and I was talking to Adrian Colbert about this when I was playing Call of Duty a little earlier, is that is such a comment made by somebody who wasn't a part of the game. Like, dude, these guys have been killing themselves on this nasty-ass field for 60 minutes and you're upset because they fire, they win and they slide on it. They've been sliding on it the whole game. Like these dudes have been out there busting their ass to get this win. They're all soaked. They're all dirty. Look at that picture of Mike Person. The guy had mud in his eyeball all over his face. Like these dudes are <laughs> right. just sucking. And I, you know, I I served in the military, and there's a phrase called "embrace the suck." Like you know that what you're about to do is gonna suck. You know it. You might as well embrace it, do your thing, and try to enjoy what you can from it. That's what these guys were doing. Like, dude, they were all soaked and all dirty, and they slid for a win. It wasn't to, like, rub it in the Redskins' face. It was just to they were glad to finally be done with it and actually win the game. And it, to hear a guy who's sitting up in a nice, dry press box calling the game on a radio flip out because these players are sliding on the field – like, dude, you have got to freaking just find a better grasp on reality because it was just so clear that he had no idea what it felt like to be in that position. I mean, you're you're an NFL player, Croc. What, I mean, am I way off here? No, not not at all. I mean, I, it, you have to enjoy <laughs> it. You know, and at the end of the day, I think sometimes people look at these players like they're not human. And they they're are. robots. They're chess human. It's like, man, I've been out here in this dang mud and rain for three hours. And we figured out a way to win. And we're excited. And we're going to have a little fun here. And, yeah, I mean, I guess Duke can remember it. But what can you do? Like, you can't do <laughs> That's the best, dude. The Redskins are going to remember this. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Remember it, bro. Yeah. Let us know how your your top five pick goes. Right. But anyways, so all right. So before we before we get out of here, we're already at forty five minutes, but we always run long. Who cares? I actually I jumped on the reviews today, Croc, and one of the, the reviews was five stars, and they said, "Hey, I like the longer episode. It seemed like a perfect length." Huh. Like, hey, maybe we're onto something here. Well, I said that. Kevin we're- Jones, CEO of the Blue Arrow Podcast. Yeah, I mean, we're only on once a week, you and I, at least. So, yeah, right. you know, we're going to take our time. We have a lot to say. Right, right. And hopefully you enjoy what we have to say, you know, because we're pretty opinionated about it. And I feel like me and Croc bring some some fresh stuff to the table. But so Carolina Panthers, Croc, what do you, what do you first Carolina Panthers, what do you think? They're, 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 this is the, I'd say, the most complete team that the 49 ah, I don't know who's better between them or the Rams, but I will say this is probably the toughest Rams challenge. The Rams beat them, but that's that's football math. Yeah. That doesn't really apply. But from a matchup standpoint, I, I think this is the 49ers' toughest um, battle. You know, they, they have a lot of really good young and up-and-coming players. Um, I think, obviously, everybody thinks of Luke Heakley, um off the top of their head, and then, you know, they know Kyle, Kyle Allen and then, obviously, McCaffrey, but um, – their receivers, you know, obviously they have Greg, Greg Olson tight end, 
and he's you would think that he's the number one target, but the receivers have been doing pretty good. They've progressed very well. You have DJ Moore, you have um, uh, Curtis Samuels. Th- those guys are playing very well. Um, you know, big plays, and then you have James Bradbury, a cornerback, who's having the best year of his career. And, and then you have Dante Jackson. And you were you were pretty critical of Bradbury at one point, weren't you? Yeah, I didn't care for him, um, but I mean he. Turned it around. I mean, I wasn't critical right, in the sense right. of like, I, I just thought, oh, you know, he's just like really regular, you know. But um, I mean, he's having a really good year. Um, Dante Jackson, he's playing very well. He's taking the ball away. Um, Eric Reed, he seems like he's uh, he's fired up. Yeah, he's fired up. Yeah, that that's a good way to put it. Um, and then they have like the like. I mean, I know we view the 49ers pass rush as being really good, but this team. I mean, I think they actually lead the NFL in, like, pressures and quarterback hits and all of that. So, um, you know, against our right tackles, I mean, our our reserve tackles, our fourth and fifth, sixth stringers, whatever, um, that can be something that is a little problematic. So, yeah, I think, you know, just overall, just looking at the matchup, I think this is the toughest matchup. Now, the one thing I think that uh, the 49ers defense – you know, you can get after a rookie quarterback, and 49ers took him. He has not been in the in the metric side of things. He has not been good under pressure. Right. So if you if you get to him, um, that's going to be really tough for him. I think the thing is because um, the last Panthers game I really watched was the one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the T- Tampa Bay just couldn't st- uh, they couldn't sustain drives, and that's what the 49ers do consistently, no matter who's out there. So if if the 49ers sustain drives like they have been and the the Panthers can't, that, that I mean, obviously that's going to be a, a big issue. But from a talent, I look, just from a pure talent perspective, this is a really good matchup. Um, but they don't stop the run very well. I think they give up over five yards of carry or something like that, some crazy stat like that. So, you know, Kyle Shanahan – once he gets that run game going, then you start getting that play action. And now you have a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, and he can maybe take a little bit of heat off of George Kittle. And now you start to open things up, and I think that's when you start seeing the big plays by the 49ers uh, passing game. So um, I, I still would favor the Niners. I think the five-and-a-half spread that it opened up, the line that it opened up at like five-and-a-half, that's a little high. I think the game is a little bit closer than that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I saw someone say, like, oh, 49ers should blow them out. This is yeah, this is a good team. This is a really good team. But if the, if the 49ers rattle that quarterback, I, I think it, it is a game that could get ugly fast. And the 49ers have had, uh, so far, good crowds at home. I'm thinking about asking my wife if I can go to this game. I think the crowd's going to be rocking, man. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how this whole thing plays out. Oh, no. The, the Levi Stadium crowd has been well. I mean, I, I, it's obviously not – to the to a point where it can compete with the you know the 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 century leaks link arrowheads yet but it's been it's been solid and those there have been you know it's been near sellouts for for these games and that's what winning does is it brings an excited crowd into the stadium one that's going to get into third downs and they're going to they're going to be loud because they feel like it matters and they feel like there's something at stake whereas the 49ers in the past haven't always been like that so you know and it, it's it's interesting but to me when i think carolina panthers i think christian McCaffrey, who is just one of 
the best running backs in the NFL right now, one of the most complete running backs in the NFL right now. I don't care what you think he is or if he's a gadget play guy or whatever. He's nothing like that that you think he is because this dude is pounding the football right now. He's He's got 100 – or excuse me, 618 yards on the ground. Um, he has, he's averaging 4.9 yards per carry. He has seven touchdowns on the ground. He's also got 305 yards through the air. The dude is already about to go over a thousand scrimmage yards and we're not even halfway through the season yet. The dude could be over 2000 scrimmage yards by the end of the year. You know, he's already almost got 10 touchdowns. Like the, the guy is lighting it up. One of my, one of my players on my middle school football team asked me, who do you think the best running back in the NFL is right now? I said, Christian McCaffrey. And that's not me saying that from a statistical standpoint. You just watch the dude play. He is electric, and he has no problem running between the tackles, but he'll, he'll, he'll be the first guy to dart out into space and catch a ball and, and take it to the house. He's just he's an incredibly talented football player. Uh, and, and I have some Twitter receipts saying he's who I thought the 49ers should have picked at number two or number three in 2017. He was just I, – I was just perfectly – are 100% in on what Christian McCaffrey could, could do in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And obviously that, that time has passed. That's, you know, but whatever, but we're seeing exactly just how good Christian McCaffrey is. And, and yeah, the, you know, the interesting thing is people, I think because he's not like a big back and because people are like, well, gadget player and he has to run sweet. It's like, dude ran between the tackles all game long at at, at uh, Stanford. Like, they used him as a power back. <laughs> I was so confused at the, the narrative that he, like, couldn't be a between-the-tackles type runner when that was all he did at Stanford. Right, and all of a sudden he was like, you know, he, he had those Frank Gore-type runs where he would he would run into this little hole and there would be, you know, players crashing all around. Then all of a sudden he merged out the other side and would just take off. And – you know, it's just to me, he's their entire offense right now. And that's not to say Kyle Allen can't throw, and it's not to say the receivers aren't good. But I feel like, and it's way easier said than done. But I feel like if you can stop Christian McCaffrey, you will stop the Carolina Panthers. The dude is just like I said, he's we're six games into the season for them. They they had their bye week last week, and he's already about to go over a thousand yards from scrimmage, like. I don't, that could be some record. Like the dude is, you know, he's on fire. So to me, it's the, if the 49ers zeroing in on him and thankfully the 49ers have Fred Warner and Quan Alexander, both of them are playing really well. I saw someone tweet on, on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. Who it was. Otherwise I'd give you a shout out is the 49ers are one of, if not the best team in the NFL at, at limiting um, running backs and receiving. So receiving backs have not had a lot of success against the 49ers. So we've got all these fast ass linebackers that cover and fly around. They hit. And so, so I feel like (laughs) if, if Fred Warner and Quan Alexander come to play and they do their thing against Christian McCaffrey, and then you've got the fact that the defensive line is just playing out of its mind. And there are some mismatches. If you look at pro football focuses metrics, and obviously this it's not the Bible, but you know, with the way they grade players, the 49ers defensive front is way more advanced than than the, the Panthers offensive line. And that's gonna be the case most of the season. That's just how good the def- 49ers defensive line is playing. But to me, they they match up pretty well with the Panthers. But the Panthers are a good football team, and good football teams are always gonna find a way to win. Or you know, or at least they're gonna give you their best shot. So 
it's it's definitely I would agree with you in the fact that you know, I felt like the Rams were their toughest test of the season until the 49ers just absolutely dominated them. You know, it's hard well, for me also, to say that the Rams I mean, were I still feel like the Rams are the better football team, but it's hard for me to say that the Carolina Panthers were more of a challenge than the Rams just because of how the 49ers handled the Rams. You know what I mean? So it's it's it, I don't necessarily yeah. think the 49ers are going to handle the Panthers the way they handled the Rams, but they very well could. I think the 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 Panthers would be the clear-cut better team if there weren't so much unknown with the quarterback. Even though he hasn't lost yet, he's four and zero. He hasn't even thrown an interception. And he plays well. Yeah, no interceptions. He's been playing extremely well. I think most people, um, including myself, you kind of go into this game like, you know, what's he going to do against the 49ers defense? Now, if he comes out of this game and he's still, uh, you know, five and zero and still hasn't thrown an interception, I'm like, man, it's Good luck, Cam Newton, getting your job back. <laughs> you know, but um, uh, yeah, man, I don't shoot. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that trade lines dead coming. Trade deadlines coming up. Kyle's playing really good. I don't know. I I wouldn't think the the Panthers would be able to deal with deal Cam in that short of a time. Um, but you know, that's that's for another conversation. Yeah, that that it, we'll we'll see. We'll um. It's going to be a good game, and I think originally when I I think I before the season I was just like Panthers. I'm not a believer in them, um, but uh, now I mean this should be like game of the week probably, right? I mean, right? Yeah, no, it, it, it's going to be a good game, and I you know, I wish the the 49ers would start getting some flexes into prime time here because this this is going to be a great game. But it's it's just a matter of you know every every week I've said okay this. This team – not every week, but, you know, especially against the Rams where I'm like, okay, this is, the, this is their test right here. And then they just come out and and blow me away with the way they're playing, especially on the defense. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what Emmanuel Sanders adds to this offense. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to find himself much more comfortable passing the ball to somebody outside. And it's not that he's refrained from doing it. He's hit plenty of his receivers. But Emmanuel Sanders has more yards than – the 49ers top two receivers combined and Marquise Goodwin and Debo Samuel. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders had more yards than, or just as much yards as both of those guys and the same number of touchdowns as both of them. So and more catches. Right. And it's, it's just a matter of, of now all of a sudden you've got this guy that's the epitome of reliable. It's like, I, I've told people it's, it's an entirely different type of receiver, but to me it reminds me of when the 49ers added Anquan Bolden. Like, yes. you know, you have a guy that's just, reliable and he's gonna make plays and he's a different type of receiver Anquan Bolden was one of the best possession receivers I've ever seen play the dude just throughout did his career not just with the 49ers like literally throughout his career. right one of my favorite receivers of all time anytime a guy that runs like a five second 40 <laughs> go out there and dominate uh, you know you have someone special the dude ran amazing routes had amazing hands so and, and Emmanuel Sanders is a lot of the same. He's not nearly as big, not nearly as thick with two C's, as you would call it. But he catches the he, – he is consistent. He gets open and he catches the football. He's good. He's a good right. veteran receiver. And he's exactly what the 49ers were missing. Now, I think right. – like, It doesn't matter. Other, he's the guys, end of his career, bro. Yeah. I don't think that matters at all. The dude's still good. Well, yeah. And, and so people – I had a lot of people say, his age, his age, his age. And it's like, okay, the 49ers got Anquan Bolden. And and 
at what I think Anquan was 33 years old when the 49ers got him. And he was arguably the 49ers' best receiver. He had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Like, if you're good, it doesn't matter. And I'll say this about uh, Emmanuel Sanders. He's much quicker, faster, all of that than Anquan was. Now, obviously, they had to win different ways. Anquan was just a beast, right? But, you know, when you bring up his age, you wouldn't know he was 32 unless you knew he was 32. Like, if you watch him. If you watch him play, you watch him run routes, you watch the little clip of KMBR, that's not that doesn't look like somebody who's 32 years old. When I watched his games this year, again, I'm putting out the thread tomorrow. When I watched his 2019 games, he does not look 32 years old. And he's, he's coming like, off a freaking Achilles tear he's that he's only going to get better from. I mean, he's beating guys downfield. He beat uh, uh, um, DJ Reed downfield on a bomb. He ran it. L- listen, this is how, how t- this – this guy is still pretty good. He ran like a post corner. He outran DJ Reed while DJ Reed was in off coverage, cover three, protecting his deep third, and he still beat him deep for a 45-yard gain, 48-yard gain um, in the preseason this year. Um, and then they give him an end around. I mean, this is like fresh off of an Achilles injury. This is a guy that, I mean, he, he literally just, you know, like, dang, this is my first action since my Achilles injury. How am I going to look? Oh, I'm just going to catch a 48-yard bomb on the 49ers and end around for, like, 20 yards. You know, it's like, dude, he looks good. Like, he's a good receiver. So, um, that was a huge win for the 49ers to, to be able to, you know, give up some draft capital to get him. People mad. Well, we don't pick between the first and the fifth round. Who cares? 49ers got D Ford and Emmanuel Sanders with that. And I don't think they're going to miss those picks at all. D Ford's getting averaging a sack a game. Like, forget that second round pick. <laughs> all right. Well, and it's and it and it's it's a late second round pick. Like, it, it ain't going to be early. The 49ers are moving. You know, at, at the very least, if the 49ers just fall off the off of the edge of a cliff, it's a middle of the second round for somebody. Is he's playing way less snaps than everybody else, but he's one of the most impactful pass rushers in the NFL. When he's on the field, he's making plays. And, he, and he's pressuring the quarterback. So, that you know, like you said, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers are in the back half of the first round. And they, all they have to do if somebody calls is trade back one time and all of a sudden you've got a second-round pick again or you've got a third-round pick again. You know, I, mean? I think that's, that's what people want because, they you know, they want those picks. But me, I say take the best available and just have you a really good football player. Right, and, it's, and it, it's just – And you have that fifth-year option. Right and, and yeah, and you do, and that's super valuable in the first round. So the forty, it, it just doesn't matter. Like the 49ers are getting a guy that has been there, has done that, has won Super Bowls. He's reliable. He's gonna he's gonna give this this team a chance to win games. You know, him his own efforts are gonna equal wins for the 49ers, and he will you know move the chains. And Jimmy Garoppolo knows he can throw to him, and he can anticipate the fact that he's gonna be open. And that's an invaluable aspect of a receiver. Don't worry about the fact that he's 32. Just watch him play the game. He's still getting open against guys that are 23 so it, it it just doesn't matter and and the thing is is i'm a receivers coach i played receiver when i was young i've, I've always taken an interest in receivers i do i used to live in an apartment that was within an abandoned golf course and i would just go run routes and my little brother would throw me the football because i just loved running routes and i thought the science behind it was so awesome and people just don't understand how little 
speed matters in the equation of running routes. It, it obviously is a, a big factor, but if you can run precise routes, if you can understand how to manipulate defensive backs and you can understand how to convey your leverage and your body language, there's so many different things that go into a route. And a guy who's been in the league this long and has had that consistent of an impact knows all of that stuff. And that is how you beat a DJ Reed who's playing off coverage and you're still beating him deep. Because you know what you need to do on a route to get this guy to move forward a little bit, sink in on you, create some space. And it's just it's just people don't understand what it, what it takes to run successful routes and how in-depth it actually is and how good somebody like Emmanuel Sanders is at it, it is at running routes. It's, it's, a, it's a science, a man. It's a science. If, if the draft were tomorrow, what would, what would you draft in the – First round for the 49ers. Right now. Draft right now. What would I draft? It would be between – I mean, I hate to – I feel like it's a cop-out. But to me, it would be between um, an offensive lineman, guard or tackle, and a cornerback, a defensive back. Right. Now, do you think if – like, let's say because you threw out two positions, if you had to, you know, just pick one of those – and the other one you can live with kind of what's on the roster. Which one would you pick? I'd take an offensive lineman for sure. Right. So I think if you look at the roster now, it's kind of getting to that point. Not saying that the 49ers are just like just some, you know, star-studded. Well, it kind of turned into that, right? Um, I, I remember I tweeted this out. I started looking at the 49ers roster. I'm like, well, there's not too many rosters I would take over the 49ers roster right now. The biggest thing to me is are they going to get coached up? Like that—that that was the biggest thing. I mean, the the talent is clearly there. Well, the team is getting to a point now where is a a rookie going to come in and play right away? They're they're kind of getting to that type of, you know. Well, and they're not a number two overall rookies either. We're talking about late first round pick rookies, right? Now. Nick Bosa is a is in a world amongst himself, and he's not even. You know, to me, Nick Bosa, if he was in the same class as Miles Garrett, the, both of them would have been in the in the conversation together. Like, he's right. that good. So, you were talking late first-round picks, guys that, that aren't going to come. The 49ers have early second-round picks that aren't playing right away on this team. It's just Shanahan's got a complex offense. You know, he's got a complex offense, and these receivers are struggling to get their feet under them. So to Croc's point, it's, you know, you're looking at a late first round guy that I think people are overvaluing given what, you know, somebody like Sanders and we're talking a third rounder is going to come in and contribute right away. First game. Right. Yep. You know, but Panthers this weekend should be a great game. Should be, it just one of those football games you can really appreciate. But to me, it all falls back on the 49ers defense. If they play anywhere near how they've been playing, then it's <laughs> – I'm not going to say it's a wrap because I'm never that confident about NFL games. Any team can win on any Sunday, but it's just – I mean, the defense has just been so dominant. It's It's been nuts to watch, man. You got any You got any closing thoughts here, Croc? Anything? No, no closing thoughts, man. Just, I, I, I'm excited to, you know, see – you know, Emmanuel Sanders out there and kind of how to utilize him and how many targets he gets. Uh, I remember week the first game Antonio Brown got with the Patriots. The Patriots made it a point uh, 
to get Antonio Brown the ball early and often. And I'd be interested to see if the 49ers do something like that with Emmanuel Sanders because, again, it, you know, it is a very uh, similar office that he's coming from, and I, I don't think it would be too difficult for him to grasp uh, what the 49ers are trying to do. He's he's a professional. I mean, shoot, you play with uh, Peyton Manning, I'm pretty sure you can play with anyone with all the adjustments and things on the fly that he does. So, yeah, man, I'm just excited to see him and, uh, you know, continue to see this defense get after it. Yeah, me too, man. But uh, I'm, uh, hopefully – an hour and five minutes is is enough for you guys, or it's not too much. I wouldn't want it to be too much. I know we're a little bit over uh, uh, Mr. Kevin Jones, also of the Striking Gold podcast. He always told us he wanted us to stick to 45 minutes, and we're horrible at that. So hopefully, if you're still listening at this point, hopefully you've enjoyed it so far. I, I mean, I know I have fun doing it. I know Croc does. Um, if you're enjoying it, make sure you hop on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever, Android stuff, whatever you're listening on. Uh, leave us a good review. Tell us that you're listening. You're hearing this right now. Tell us that you stuck through all hour and six minutes of this uh, just to make us feel good about doing it. Because like I said earlier, somebody left us, left us a positive review and said they, they liked the fact that it was a little bit longer. So thank you for, uh, again, as always, for tuning in. Uh, we wouldn't be able to record this if you guys didn't listen to it. The Blue Wire Network is blowing up right now. Uh, I think this month we're at an all-time high for downloads. So uh, I appreciate it. I'm just pumped to be a part of it. I know Croc is too. Um, as always, again, thanks for being with us. We appreciate having you guys. And this is Striking Gold signing out. All right. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.